the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. on pokes i am your host colby powell glad everyone is with us on this chilly oklahoma monday morning recapping oklahoma state's 45 35 surprising loss to texas tech on lubbock in saturday before we take a deep dive into that I want to remind everyone to follow me on twitter at colby j powell also follow this podcast at locked on pokes that is where i will tweet out all the links to this podcast as well as uh, news and opinions for oklahoma state also subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. Last week, we got our first week in the books. Now, Oklahoma State's on by, so we'll have a couple weeks here of Locked on Pokes before the Cowboys take the field again, which means we all get an extra week to stew on the 45-35 loss in Lubbock on Saturday morning and into the afternoon. It, it was Look, it was a poor display from Oklahoma State. It looked like a team that did not come out focused, did not come out ready to play. They were down 13-0 by the end of the first quarter. Uh, And that game could have gotten really out of hand if not for a few defensive stops that really kept Oklahoma State in the game early. Oklahoma State, especially Spencer Sanders, was turning the ball over, being really careless. And, you know, Spencer, he had those three interceptions. It did not look like he was going through his progressions. You know, the the one that he threw up the sideline into double coverage, the only way you make that throw is if you've predetermined where the ball is going before you take the snap. That, that's just the only way that you make that throw, which means you're not going through your progressions, sign of a young quarterback. I, I know some people were calling for Drew Brown on Twitter. I don't know that I was there. I, I totally understand why you would have wanted Drew Brown to come into that game Saturday. Spencer Sanders had a, a game that, quite frankly, it's going to be tough for him to have a worse game just by default. He, he turned the ball over five times. Three interceptions, lost two fumbles. Both of the fumbles that he lost, one of them on the opening possession of the game, they were his fault. He, he was not taking care of the ball. You know, you're in the pocket, you've got pressure coming, two hands on the ball, tuck the ball. He, he's holding it out, you know, two feet away from his body, just in the palm of his hand. And not surprisingly, that ball's knocked away and he loses a couple fumbles. So, look, Spencer Sanders played poorly. I think if you're Mike Gundy, if you're Sean Gleason, When you decided to go with Spencer Sanders at the beginning of the season, what you said is this guy is the future of our program. That means you're going to live with the good, you're going to live with the bad, and there are going to be growing pains. Saturday was an extreme example of growing pains, but but it's more than just Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders did not play well on Saturday. I'm not going to dispute that. That being said, Oklahoma State, they've struggled against unranked teams recently. It's just, it's mind-blowing the way they've played unranked opponents. Uh, in the last two seasons, so this is going back to last year, the Dog era, and now with Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State against unranked FBS opponents, Division I, unranked, Oklahoma State is 4-6. and six. Against ranked opponents, they're 5-2. and two. And, and I just, I can't make a ton of sense out of that unless... You know, they're going into these games against a team like Texas Tech, which had looked like one of the worst teams in the conference to this point. Unless they're going into a game like that and not respecting their opponent, I don't see how this could keep happening. 
This only happens if you go into this game and you think that just because you're Oklahoma State and you've built a little bit of a football coach culture and you've got that orange and black on the side of your helmet, that you're just going to be able to walk onto the field, go through the motions, and beat a lesser football team. And that's not how it works. Going back to last season, Oklahoma State, they face Boise State at home, 17th ranked Boise State, blow them out. Very next week, very next week, 3-0 non-con, blowout against Boise State, feeling pretty good, 41-17 loss to Texas Tech. Boom, right away. Two weeks later, they host Iowa State, lose 48-42 to Iowa State. It, you know, it, it, and again and again, the very next week was the 31-12 loss to Kansas State. And then what do they do? They beat a, a number six-ranked Texas team, 38-35 in Stillwater. They look great. We're all feeling good again. So, of course, immediately the next week, they go lose to an unranked Baylor team. Then they lose to Oklahoma, 48-47. The very next week, they face the ninth-ranked team in the country, West Virginia. They beat them 45-41. We're thinking, okay, they bounce back, not so bad. Then they go play a TCU team, doesn't have a quarterback. Grayson Muelstein, I believe was the kid's name, who beat Oklahoma State in Fort Worth last year. Then they go to the bowl game, beat a top-25 Missouri team. I mean, it's, it's, it's uncanny the way Oklahoma State is just pinballing back and forth between beating ranked teams and losing to unranked teams. And it's the source of so much of the frustration for Oklahoma State fans over the past couple of seasons. Because you see it. You see that this team can be good. But they refuse to be. They refuse to go win games they should win. It's like they can get themselves up to play Texas – they can get themselves up to play Oklahoma, West Virginia. In two weeks, they, they're hosting Baylor for homecoming. I bet Oklahoma State gets up to play that game. Oklahoma State will probably beat Baylor in two weeks. That's just what we've come to know from this Oklahoma State team. Baylor likely coming in 6-0. I believe they've got Kansas this week to get themselves to 6-0. So Baylor will be a top 20 team at that time. They'll probably beat Baylor. Just how Oklahoma State operates. I'm letting you know, I'm done being tricked by it. I'm done being tricked by thinking that Oklahoma State is going to blow out a bad team. I predicted the score. I don't have my sheet in front of me. I think I predicted it 48-27 Oklahoma State this past weekend over Texas Tech, and that was my fault. That was my fault for thinking that this year it was going to be different and that this Oklahoma State team was going to take its opponents seriously. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch Oklahoma State play what's clearly an inferior opponent and just not get off the bus ready to play football. And I mean, we're going on we're going on 18 months of this now. I say 18 months, a season and a half of this now with Oklahoma State, and it's getting frustrating. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell. Let me know. Are you frustrated? Did you want Drew Brown to come in Saturday against Texas Tech? Are you putting the blame for this on Mike Gundy? Do you think he needs to be doing more to have his team ready to play in these spots? Uh, I'll be curious to see what he has to say later today, and we'll hear a lot of Mike Gundy on tomorrow's Locked On Pokes. Uh, hear what he has to say about the disappointing loss in Lubbock on Saturday. We're going to talk much more about this game because we're going to get much more into the weeds today and throughout the week. Things Oklahoma State did poorly. Areas where you thought maybe they had a chance to get themselves back in the game and just couldn't take advantage of those opportunities. We're going to talk about all that. Also, after the break, I want to talk about Mason Rudolph because that young man took a hit yesterday. And uh, I I was pretty disappointed in how the Steelers 
handled player safety in that situation. Uh, I just thought it was a bad look for the Steelers, for the NFL, and uh, luckily the injury is uh, apparently not as bad as it looked like initially it could have been. So we're going to talk about that. We'll continue to talk about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Make sure you subscribe and rate this podcast. This is Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, men just brush it off or blame themselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or they avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com locked. Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Follow us on Twitter at Colby J. Powell and at Locked on Pokes. Uh, let me know if you have any comments on Saturday's game against Texas Tech, the fact that Oklahoma State continues to lose uh, to unranked FBS opponents. Uh, do you think that they'll be able to continue the trend of beating ranked teams in a couple weeks when Baylor comes to town for homecoming? All those things. Let me know on Twitter. Also, if there's anything that I haven't gotten to, you want me to get to, uh, anything in the world of Oklahoma State. We talked about softball last week, golf, wrestling, all of it. You want to talk about it, you let me know. We'll get it in here on Locked on Pokes. Make sure you subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening as well. Uh, All right, like I said, we'll get back to the game between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech on Saturday. But I want to talk a little bit about Mason Rudolph and what took place yesterday In the NFL, a a nasty hit from Earl Thomas. And and when I say nasty, I don't necessarily mean dirty. Look, it it was a hit to Mason's head. Um, I I thought that Earl Thomas's comments after the game were probably a little bit misplaced. Uh, He said, you know what? I would never try to hurt anybody. These guys have families. I've never tried to hurt anyone. That being said, it was a football play. I don't know that it necessarily was. Definitely looked to me like he launched, uh, and I'm actually watching the replay uh, right now just to make sure. I mean, he left his feet. He went for the head. I I don't think he was trying to, you know, knock Mason Rudolph out. I don't think he had any intentions on it going the way that it it went, but that's the exact kind of hit that college football, the NFL, are trying to legislate out of the game, and for good reason – Mason Rudolph, uh, you know, he was clearly knocked unconscious on the field on the hit from Earl Thomas, was taken to the hospital for further testing, and then released last night, went home, said that he was feeling much, much better. But the, the big problem I had was with the Pittsburgh Steelers medical staff allowing him 
to walk off the field and into the tunnel. A medical cart was brought out. It was then reported that the medical cart was not able to be used due to operator error. Who knows what that means? You're driving a cart. I, I don't know what that could possibly mean. Sounds like somebody's getting thrown under the bus because the proper protocols were not in place. Look, I don't care if it's a cart, a stretcher, a wheelchair. It, it doesn't matter what it is. There has to be some way to get a player who was just that severely injured off the field without him having to walk off the field with one arm, you know, slopped over teammates on both sides of him. He, he, he looked awful coming off the field. It, the, the medical staff is there in part to protect players from themselves. And they said after the game, well, Mason wanted to walk off. Mason didn't want to be carted off. That's not Mason's decision. Mason's not even in a place to make that decision. Mason Rudolph was just knocked unconscious in a football game. And now he's telling you he wants to walk off the field. Not his call. The medical staff has to protect players from themselves. Mason Rudolph's brain was just rattled around in his head. And you let him get up off the field and walk himself to the sideline and then to the locker room. Yeah, I've got a big problem with that. The NFL is apparently launching an investigation as to what happened with the cart, as to why Mason Rudolph was allowed to walk off the field. That's all good. Injured players need to be carted off the field. They don't need to be walked off the field. You know, if, if he had a torn ACL, they wouldn't be having him walk off the field on a torn ACL or a broken leg like what we saw last night in the Sunday night football game. The medical staff has to protect players. I didn't think they did that yesterday with Mason Rudolph and allowing him to walk off the field by himself. That being said, absolute best case scenario for what took place yesterday is him going to the hospital, getting further testing, and being released to his home. You just couldn't ask for anything better than that. And now he's in the NFL's concussion protocol. I, I would say don't even worry about Mason Rudolph playing this upcoming week. I don't think that there's any reason for Mason Rudolph to play this week. The Steelers are 1-4. and four. Mason Rudolph will have more chances, likely this season, to start in the NFL. That was a serious injury that, that he took. And if you haven't seen the video, I'm sure most of you have. If you haven't, you can go watch it. It is, it is tough to watch. If you watch the full replay that's a little more than a minute long, you can see his teammates, the concern that his teammates had for him. Juju Smith-Schuster runs over and Juju Smith-Schuster kind of collapses and then crawls over to Mason. Uh, You can tell how much that they care about him. And you can also tell that a few of those guys thought it was a lot more serious than it is. Um, And when I say thought it was a lot more serious than it is, you see how Juju Smith-Schuster reacted on the field. And then you hear what he had to say after the game. He said that he's heard about people taking hits like that and not getting back up. It's very clear that the players who were in the moment were worried about Mason Rudolph um, not waking up from from the slumber that he took on the field after that hit by Earl Thomas. So again, best case scenario, him being released uh, from the hospital yesterday. He's in concussion protocol. Uh, I hope that he does not play this upcoming week. Give him, give him at least a week. Let the NFL and their doctors continue to evaluate him. Make sure that he is absolutely 100% right physically and mentally before he steps back on a football field. Because after you take a hit like that, 
get knocked unconscious. I, I don't know if Mason will go back and watch the video. I don't know if I would want to. If I was the one who took that hit, I could see how mentally it would be tough to get yourself right to step back on a football field after taking a hit like that as well. So hopefully Mason Rudolph will get all the help that he needs from the Pittsburgh Steelers and will be able to go out and uh, continue at some point later in this season. But you could see how much his teammates cared for him yesterday after he took that brutal hit from Earl Thomas. And we're all glad that he is okay and back home and it was not any more serious than it was uh, or any more serious than it appeared to be. I'm Colby Powell. This is the Locked On Pokes podcast. Get glad everyone is with us. Today is a beautiful week in the state of Oklahoma. Supposed to be perfect weather. Oklahoma State is off this week. Got a bye week. Get a couple weeks to stew on the loss to uh, to Texas Tech this past weekend. And I, I said earlier that I was looking forward to hearing from Mike Gundy today. And, you know, we'd play back all that audio for you tomorrow. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, coaches don't do media availability on the Monday of bye weeks. So I think we'll have to wait a week to hear uh, from Mike Gundy and him answer questions about his team continuing to lose to unranked opponents. I doubt he'll have too much to say in that area, uh, but I am curious as to what he thinks about what his team put on the field on Saturday night. So we're going to talk more about the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game on the other side. We'll talk about Chuba Hubbard. He had another big day, more Spencer Sanders. We'll get to all that on the other side here on Locked on Pokes. Uh, you need to go visit Vivid Seats. You can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We take a break, come back on the other side, wrap this thing up. This is Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wrapping things up here on Locked On Pokes, I am Colby Powell, your host here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Glad everyone is with us. Head over to Twitter. Follow me at Colby J. Powell. Also follow this podcast at Locked On Pokes, where you can always get the links every day, uh, every weekday, that is, Monday through Friday to Locked On Pokes. Reacting today to Oklahoma State's 45-35 loss to Texas Tech on Saturday, and it was an ugly one. I don't think that the final score is even indicative of how lopsided this game was. Texas Tech got out by 20 early and really never relinquished any kind of lead. We talked earlier about the growing pains for Spencer Sanders. He was 22 of 37, 290 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, a 21.8 QBR. And then on the other side, Texas Tech, they pretty much had whatever they wanted, especially in the second half offensively. The loss of Colby Harvell Peel certainly did not help. He is a monster in the secondary uh, for Oklahoma State. And without him out there, you know, you saw Trey Sterling get knocked up uh, a bit. Calvin Bundage, who I thought might play on Saturday, was unable to go. So you, you didn't have the pressure on Jet Duffy that you probably needed. And Jet Duffy absolutely feasted. Look, Jet Duffy by no means... As a stud, Alan Bowman is the best quarterback at Texas Tech. Jet Duffy was still a Gatorade player of the year in Texas. He was still a highly recruited guy, and he is still a talented player. What, what I still can't believe is that Matt Wells, 
for some reason, decided to start the other guy whose name I can't even remember and will never have any reason to know because he'll probably never throw another football at the college level uh, last week against Oklahoma whenever Jet Duffy is clearly the second-best quarterback on that squad behind Alan Bowman. Jet Duffy on Saturday was 26 of 44 for 424 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Had a QBR of 78.4. And Texas Tech, again, especially in that second half, was really able to run the ball with Sir Roderick Thompson. He had 12 carries for 69 yards. A lot of that coming in the second half when it seemed like Oklahoma State just could not get him to the ground. T.J. Vasher had 110 receiving yards. Texas Tech had five guys with at least 40 receiving yards. They had seven guys, uh, pardon me, eight guys with at least 20 receiving yards. Uh, So they were really spreading the wealth, and Oklahoma State just was unable to stop it. Tylen Wallace, he uh, is no longer leading the the country in receiving. He's now third after an 85-yard output. Uh, Many of those coming in garbage time. They struggled to get him involved earlier in the game. His touchdown came in garbage time whenever they were down by 17 points late in the fourth quarter. He ended up with 11 catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. Not a bad line, but again, a lot of that came late, and they struggled to get him involved whenever the game was still really in the balance in the first and second quarters. Chuba Hubbard still way out in front leading the country in rushing 34 carries, 156 yards, and three touchdowns. But one thing I want to talk about with Oklahoma State is the lack of efficiency for this offense, the predictability from Oklahoma State's offense, and that really reared its head on Saturday. I I was watching the game with my wife, we were sitting in the living room watching the game, and you know she's thinking, um, why do they keep throwing it down the field? Spencer clearly doesn't look comfortable, and I agree. Spencer did not look comfortable, but but if that deep pass doesn't exist, then we see what we saw on Saturday, and what I saw on Saturday was all eleven defenders for Texas Tech playing within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and it got to the point where Oklahoma State was lining up on first down, giving it to Chuba, running it up the middle for four yards, and then on second down they were throwing a screen pass out wide. They were trying to pick up four yards there, and then on third and two they would throw a fade because for whatever reason Oklahoma State was willing to in the first half run the ball on consecutive third and fourteens. And then in the second half, on consecutive possessions in which they had third and two and third and three, Oklahoma State elected to throw deep balls up the sideline. I I could not make any sense of the willingness to run the ball on, on, uh, pardon me, on on third and 14, not on third and two, third and three, when you've got the best running back in the country in Chuba Hubbard. You've got to give it to him in short yardage situations, especially in the second half of that game when you know it's four down territory. If it's four down territory and it's third and two, you're telling me if you split out three receivers or if you line up in the diamond formation and give it to Chuba Hubbard twice, you don't think he's going to get you two yards on two tries? Come on now, in four-down territory like that, you've got to give the ball to your best player, let him go to work, especially on a day when your quarterback is uncomfortable and is having the worst game of his young career. As far as the efficiency of the Oklahoma State offense, I looked up this stat this morning, uh, you know, the team of efficiency of the offense. And offensive efficiency, it's, it's based on uh, point contributions, of the offensive and defensive units on that side to the team's scoring margin on a per-play basis. 
Yes, I'm talking analytics. I know. And the, these values, though, they're very reliable. They're adjusted, adjusted for strength of schedule. They're downweighted for garbage time. Uh, so, you, you know, obviously the closer to 100 you are, the better. You look at the teams in the top 10. Oklahoma leads the offense, uh, leads the country in offensive efficiency, 98.3, followed by Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia. So the five best teams in the country are in the top five. Texas is in the top 10 as well. Oregon State actually is in the top 10. And Oklahoma State, a team known for having one of the toughest offenses to defend in the country, ranks 29th in college football in offensive efficiency. A 67.9 ranking from Oklahoma State in offensive efficiency, which just is not good enough. It's the predictability of the offense. Sean Gleason supposed to be this creative play caller coming over in the offseason. I need to see some of the creativity. I need to see you find ways to help your young, struggling quarterback get some easy throws to guys in space why aren't they ever running the slant to Tylen Wallace they waited until garbage time to run a slant when that's clearly what the defense was giving them give your young quarterback chances to be successful Spencer Sanders look he played really poorly on Saturday night uh, pardon me Saturday afternoon and that's not all on the coaches but some of that is on the coaches because I did not feel like they were putting him in a consistent position to be successful we're going to talk about this game much more throughout the week because in a half hour, there's just so much that I cannot get to that took place on that field in Lubbock on Saturday. So I appreciate everyone being with me uh, for this Monday edition of Locked on Pokes with you all week, and it's a bye week, so we'll talk a lot about this game. Uh, we'll talk about some of the guys on the PGA Tour, some of these young guys from Oklahoma State. We'll get into all that. We've got a great week of Locked on Pokes lined up for you here. Uh, we'll probably talk Red River rivalry at some point this weekend, obviously. OU and Texas, both rivals of Oklahoma State as well. So we'll dive into that later in the week. We appreciate everyone being with us. Head over to Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Follow both of those Twitter accounts. Tweet at me. Let me know what you thought about the game on Saturday and anything you want me to dive into this week. And wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, subscribe, rate, click those buttons. Do it right now before you forget. Appreciate everyone being with us. This has been another edition of Locked on Pokes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.